In 2020, a crackpot critical trio was sent into isolation by a killer virus for the safety of those around them. These men promptly went stir-crazy without a means to rant and rave with friends and co-workers. Today, unwanted by the government, they survive as homeworking podcasters. If you want to hear about popular culture, if you can't scratch the itch, and you can download a podcast, maybe you can listen to The Critic Guys. Hello and welcome to the Critic Guys podcast. My name's Chris Davis, joined again by Mr. Lawrence Tuck. Hi. And Mr. Keith Edwards. Evening. Gentlemen, how are we? Um, very good, thank you. Today we've said we are going to talk about movies that are so bad that they're good. And we've all got a separate movie which we're going to talk about. I don't think we've all seen each other's movies from our, chat, our chats. But uh, should be interesting. I know, Keith, the one you're going to talk about, you and Lawrence have both seen it. So would you like to start us off? Sure. So the, what, the film that I decided to nominate in the category of It's So Bad, It's Good is The Wild Geese, which was a film that came out in 1978 and directed by Andrew McLaglen. And it's essentially an action-adventure movie, sort of in the same vein as um, Where Eagles Dare, or the Guns of Navarone, and it stars uh, Richard Burton, uh, Roger Moore, and Ed and, and Richard Harris. Almost Ed Ed Harris there um, before his time. Um, and it's it's one of those films that uh, is incredibly interesting in terms of it's it, it's got a great premise of an idea of a group of um, uh, retired soldiers being recruited to do a mercenary job in Africa to uh i i believe rescue a a the deposed president of a unnamed clearly <clears throat> south africa dick uh country and uh return him back to investors in the in the uh in the uk who have a, a an interest in his survival and it is it is as i say a standard sort of 1970s action film but the reason i nominate it in this category is that it's incredibly badly written as a film. It has awfully cliched characters. And I mean, there are so, so many stereotypes in this movie from the sort of uh, bruiser henchman who, who, who they have to overcome to rescue the president. Uh, and it's, it's, it's actually quite embarrassing in a modern day setting to watch. Why is it good is that the three leads, as I say, Roger Moore, Richard Burton and Richard Harris, are having a whale of a time doing it. And it, it shows through through the film that they're all sort of past their time. I know at, at the time Roger Moore was still uh, James Bond, but 
by and large, that they are past it. I mean, that is the points of the character that they uh, of of the characters that they are, you know, retired. They are, you know, at the um, sunset of any kind of action career, but they they need to do this for financial reasons, particularly Richard Harris's character. And they go out on this mission, which of course goes wrong without any spoilers, and they need to get themselves out of it. As, as much as they can and the actors clearly like each other i mean richard harris and richard burton were um old friends who knew, who knew each other of long standing and, and had always wanted to do a film together and it's actually quite good fun to watch as a film um however as i say this doesn't overcome the um well i'll be honest the racism that goes on throughout the film the homophobia and it, it it is as I say in some places quite inco- quite uncomfortable, and there are moments of utter horror in the film that are you're not sure whether to laugh or cry. It's it, it's it's tonally a very difficult film, but as I say, I enjoy, I enjoyed it immensely, and I had the well, I had the pleasure of watching it with um with Lawrence there. I don't know if he wants to come in. Perhaps not. Can you can, can you still apologies hear me? for this, Lawrence? Please repeat what you did. I've been trying to blo- to uh, I've been trying to mute myself, and I've been muting Lawrence. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so apologies, Lawrence. If you've been saying anything, so, none of it's come out. I have to say, I couldn't believe that I teed Lawrence up for an entrance, and he never said a word. I thought. I wondered why I said something incredibly witty early on in the middle of all that, and you just ignored me and continued on. <laughs> I didn't hear you. You haven't spoken a word. No. Respectful silence for Keith. In fact, it's going to have somewhere in there going, have you had your tea? Because I was talking to Anna. Because <laughs> she came into the room. I was trying to mute myself, and I muted Lawrence. <laughs> this, Apologies for that. This, wow. This podcast's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good i don't know what you want to do then do you want to go back where lawrence well, just starts no, we'll <laughs> it depends on how good lawrence's line is whether he can use it again because otherwise no, we've got a natural point where... no no i was about to say because we've got a natural point where you finish and lawrence can just start with his thoughts uh, on the film we should keep all this in i reckon that's <laughs> tonally will that be a payback for the bit about your book <laughs> yeah right what <clears throat> Uh, well, uh, what I'll do is is I'll I'll just I'll start talking then about it. Yes, please. I <laughs> I think Keith is being extremely kind to uh, to the abomination that is <laughs> wild geese. And um, what what I was was thinking when Keith was mentioning how the characters. Uh, we're very much past it doing doing these action um, missions, uh, but they they had to do the mission one last mission because they needed the money. I thought that was very much summed up the actors as well. <gasps> Roger Moore was in the middle of his bond years. Yeah, that that still makes him about sixty odd. Prime of his career. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he didn't need to do the wild geese. I'm sure he wanted to. No, I, um, the other two, I, I'm, I'm sure we're doing it just for the just for the money. Yeah. Um, That's what, what, <laughs> what was interesting is Keith and I sat down to watch it, and we wanted to watch a film. And um, 
we eventually found Wild Geese, and and neither of us had seen it. And I guess we didn't look into it in any great depth, but we had the impression that it was meant to be a classic. You saw the cast list and thought, Ooh, yeah, we saw the, we saw the cast. The name of it sounds quite, you know, like one of these classic 70s movies. It had, yeah. the, had the vibes of a classic 70s movie. So that made the fact that it was a, an absolute travesty of cinema just that much more enjoyable. And um, it is horribly homophobic. It is horribly racist. There, there's a bit where... Um, they have to go into this camp, oh. and um, they they basically <laughs> basically go around. They all the all the soldiers guarding this president, or whoever he was that they had to kidnap, are all asleep in their barracks. And um, instead of having like a big action gunfight, our heroes went around systematically murdering each one. By, with, with gas. by putting poison gas into their beds. The heroic thing to do. <laughs> it's just hideous. I mean, they brought the canisters with them. And by the way, we're well into spoiler territory here, but fair enough. They brought this gas with them, and you assume it's it, it's knockout gas to incapacitate people. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then they happen to just mention as they're disembarking the plane, they say, oh, yeah, they're, it's poison gas. You're like, okay. And then, and then you think, okay, they're going to pump it into the barracks, just, for, just go through the window or under the door frame. There, you know, many ways they've done that. People have done it. No, it's like they put together something like you're doing weed killing, and they and they go from bed to bed spraying the mosquito net. Oh no! And then these well, obviously happy to be in it actors or extras just sit up in bed at what's happening, and then just sink back again. It's horrific. It's, it's more, I mean, more like genocide, isn't it? Than... It's, it's, it's done with the kind of compassion you'd have when you put down a mousetrap. It's awful. <laughs> Despite all this, it's got a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. People clearly like it. The, the other thing that disturbs me slightly from what you've said is there appears to be a sequel. Yes. Wild Geese 2. There's a project. <laughs> Although it's in quotes. But Lawrence, it's called Wild Geese 2. But Lawrence and I will know full well that one of the stars did not return for the sequel. Hmm. Tell t- us about it. in a particularly humorous way. <laughs> tell us about it, Keith. Um, well, there's two, there's two deaths that had Lawrence and I laughing horrendously in this movie. Um, we'll get to the, the the death of the poor doctor in just a moment. But one of the stars, and this is spoiler heavy, uh, Richard Harris dies rather horrifically on the uh, on the um, the tarmac of the airport as as the plane is trying to get away. He gets machine gun, doesn't he, while he's running he for the plane? It's very very platoon like. Um, and that's the only thing that's very platoon-like about the film. Yeah, I did. But, but Richard, but, but Richard Burton, who's his friend, who's recruited him, who, who's brought him onto this task, even though he didn't really want to go, but as I say, he needed the money. And um, he, uh, he 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 reports back up to the cockpit where Roger Moore is flying the plane, and he sits down and just announces the character's name is Rafer, and just announces that Rafer's dead. <laughs> Like, just staring into space, he just makes the announcement. 
And then Roger Moore, in his, his probably the, the, the only action that earned him his paycheck, did the fantastic Roger Moore eyebrow. <laughs> it's one of the greatest moments of, of cinema history when, when <laughs> Roger Moore looks around at James, uh, at, um, is it James Mason? Was it James Mason? Richard Burton. Richard Burton, sorry. He looks, he looks around at Richard Burton, who's come up with this ridiculous announcement that Rafe is dead. And he looks around at him, raises his eyebrow, and you have to watch it to believe it. We were, we were in stitches. Oh. Now tell us about the doctor, Keith. Oh, I, I don't think I can do this justice. <laughs> um, Give it a go. The, the, the reason I mentioned the homophobia of this film of the, perhaps the 1970s, but you know, I wasn't born in that time, so I don't know. But they have a doctor who's part of the mercenary group of tough, hardened veterans who all, who all need money and everything and need to go on this one last mission. And they have a doctor assigned who they all know. And he's the most camp doctor you can imagine to the point of pinching people's cheeks and saying, all right, ducky. He's he's but but he's a he's professional. He does his job, and then in the end, when they've been compromised and they're on the run, this poor doctor um, runs into the woods and gets ambushed by a group of natives who clearly decide you know are out for his blood. And everyone else in the film has been shot. <laughs> we just mentioned Richard Harris is dead. Everyone else has died. You know, well, essentially the white team have all died from just being shot. You know. Um, just just been gunned down. He, on the other hand, somehow pulls out a pocket knife and then he gets machete to death in the most awful, awful scene. And and it's just like almost like, well, it's almost like the, the film producers were saying, well, he was gay, he deserved it. Let, let's let's get this straight. This is not the opinions of the Critics Guy podcast. No, indeed. No, no, no! Quite, quite, quite the reverse. In fact, we think uh, that, 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 that such a such views are abhorrent, and we should probably put a disclaimer here. But it is it is unbelievable. And even when you read like the Wikipedia page, it just says, "Oh yeah, he dies." You know, they suffered heavy casualties. It's like, yeah, someone just shot and died instantly. He got machete to death. Unbelievable. <laughs> Ugh. And that was well, to be fair to Lauren do? tonight. We didn't laugh, yeah. but we were kind of appalled, but somewhat intrigued by the the choices the director had made on this movie. <laughs> well, Wild Geese Two doesn't sound much better. A group of mercenaries is hired to spring Rudolf Hess from Spandau Prison in Berlin. <laughs> Probably because they liked his views on gay people. <laughs> uh, not good. Anyway, so yes, but it is, for the most part, it is quite fun to watch. <laughs> okay. Moments that literally pull you out of the film and you go, oh my God, they've actually done this. Is it as brutal, like you're describing horrific killing and horrible moments and things, but is it actually brutal to watch or you, or is a lot of it implied? You, do you actually see a lot of this? Sort there's of stuff, no, there's no blood or guts or anything. You know, it's one of those things where someone, it's like, you know, it's like a Bond film of the seventies. Someone gets shot and falls over. You know, they grab okay. their chest and collapse, kind of thing. And this guy does get machete to death, but he dies behind essentially a bush. He dies, you know, under the right. foliage, so you don't kinda see makes, anything. Kind of makes it worse. <laughs> it's like 
It's like when Bob Peck is being killed by the Velociraptor. Exactly, yeah. That's just, what I was just thinking of. You're just imagining, you're imagining this poor guy being brutally stabbed with a machete. It's so bad when he couldn't even share it on screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of homophobia. It's awful. You could not do it today. And you shouldn't do it today. Do you, re- do you remember the, the title of this podcast being like, so bad it's good? Where's the good bit? It, it was it was hilarious. We had a lovely time watching it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, of course, again, disclaimer, we're not appalling racists or homophobes. <laughs> we were laughing ironically at it. Indeed. Right. I mean, the race... Which is the essence, isn't it? Of the so problem bad was, for example, the tone of the film is supposed to be somewhat tragic. Like, for example, the Richard Harris character, as I say, he's been pulled into this mission and he's... Um, he's a father, uh, isn't he? Yeah. He needs, and, and in the end, Richard Burton goes to the son's boarding school to make sure he's all right and, and sort of honouring his friend, making, you know, making sure that he won't have to worry about money or anything. But the problem with that is, while it's supposed to be quite moving and everything... Lawrence and I are still laughing from the fact that Rafe is dead. <laughs> and the whole point of it falls flat. It's supposed to end very, very sadly and very sort of um, dramatically that, that, you know, this boy's father has, has, has done something to try and better his son's life and has died in the attempt. But in the end, you just remember that Richard Harris was the guy that stalked from bed to bed with a weed killer, gassing loads of people that just came to work that day. Yeah, you're not going to get a medal for that, are you? It's it's it's, it's amazing. The choices of the film are amazing, amazingly appalling in some cases, but amazing nonetheless. And we still talk about it almost ten years later. So there we go. I presume Wild Geese is the name of the operation, right? I I don't, do I, I don't know. I, I don't I, know. What... I, I'm not sure if they really thought about that much about no, like the well, story and that. This might be a theme with our movies. I think. I think. I think your film, Lawrence Commando, will. Uh, it, it does at least make sense as to why it's called Commando. But it sounds like uh, Keith and my films have both got issues with titles. <laughs> um, shall I? Shall I crack on? Of course. Uh, if Keith's happy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm. I, I like to think of myself as as somewhat an aficionado of uh, terrible films. Mm-hmm. Um. I do appreciate the genre of the terrible film. And um, so it would be amiss of me not to give some honourable mentions uh, once oh. again. Um, or dishonourable mentions, as it may be. Quite so, quite so. So I, I, I would say that possibly the worst movie ever made is, um, is another um, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Um, it's called Hercules in New York, <laughs> and it's um, it's about the ancient legend of Hercules, and about how he goes to New York in modern day nineteen seventies America, and um, it was originally released with a a dubbing of a an, an American actor over Arnie, could you believe? Right. This was Arnie's first movie, let's be fair. 
Yes. And um, he, he'd won, I think he'd won Mr. Invincible or whatever it was, Mr. Universe. And uh, so they wanted the man, they wanted the meat, but they didn't want the voice. So they, they dubbed him over with some hack. But fortunately, it's been lovingly restored. And you can now um, witness for yourself the true wonder of Hercules in New York with Arnie's voice. And it's um, the, uh, the, it's notable for a couple of amazing things. Firstly, the constant Greek restaurant music that plays throughout the whole film. <laughs> Literally, every scene is accompanied with the music from a Greek restaurant. And the best scene is probably when, because uh, in the classic tale of Hercules, Hercules fights a bear. In this one, quite cleverly, they get a, a bear that escapes from New York Zoo. And um, so basically you have Arnie fighting a man in a bear suit, yes. which is, I can't really describe it in its, its true grandeur as a moment, but it is, um, it's extraordinary. And you've got the girl, the girl in it, who's Arnie's love interest, is egging him on. He's fighting a bear. She's like, go on, go on, kill the bear, kill it. And it's like, he, he, he's fighting a bear. He could just not fight it and like not kill an innocent animal that's just been <laughs> released from a zoo. Just call, call one of the zookeepers or something. You don't, have to, you don't have to fight it. But there we go. Arnie was fighting it. Another one of my favorites is um, a movie called Airborne, which um, is a movie that stars Steve Gutenberg. Right. And Steve Gutenberg plays a hardball, sort of grizzled soldier, um, very much in the style of a sort of a latter day Bruce Willis. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's an extraordinary piece of work because um, you you thought Steve Gutenberg could only play sort of fun cheeky chappy types, didn't you? Mm. That's not the case. He has a wide wide repertoire of characters, and in this one, he uh, he shows us what he can do, and uh, so he goes around in like a leather jacket and shades. And the bad guy's played by uh, Sh- Sean Bean. Right. Uh, would you believe it? Does he die? Uh, yes, he does. He does, ah. he does die, surprisingly. Uh, so that's one I would recommend. And uh, finally, before I go into my actual film, another of my favorites is Plughead Rewired Circuitry Man 2. What? Which is a sequel to everyone's favorite film, um, Circuitry Man. <laughs> and it's, You're going to have to describe this it one. Stars, it stars uh, Vernon Wells, who was best known for his part in Mad Max 2, mm. where he played one of, the, um, one of the main bad guys in Mad Max 2. He's also in Inner Space. Oh, right. He plays, you know, they send in an, another 
they miniaturize another yeah. guy and send him in to go after yeah the villain um, yeah one of the villains yeah and uh, that's that's Vernon Wells oh him so he plays Plughead and it's set in the future right and Plughead is um like this half slightly robotized man and he plugs in to things and uh they like dealing circuit circuit chips on the black market and what have you mm-hmm. it is it is appalling beyond belief in just such a, an astonishing way you've got oh it also still stars tracy lord who is a famous pornographic actress right and it it's just it's it's so weird it's you really can't get your head around what what on earth they were thinking when they were making it. I'm just looking at the IMDb page for this one as well. Yeah, looks interesting. That one at least only gets a 3.4 out of 10. <laughs> it's um and that that's generous. <laughs> um, but Commando is yeah. um is actually a really entertaining film. It really is. Mm-hmm. But it is it is hilariously bad at the same time. The, the his his watch always makes me laugh. Well, let me start off by explaining if people haven't seen it, it's about a a, a former special ops commando played by Arnie and um he's retired and is living in a uh a, a on a mountain with his daughter and a guy um he used to work with wants to um also <laughs> uh, also played by Vernon Wells yes <laughs> at the moment totally slipped my mind but isn't 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 this nice it's a Vernon Wells special spotting a pattern uh, yeah <laughs> so um yeah, they they basically they want Arnie to assassinate this um, uh, president of a uh, nameless South American country, and so they can install some uh, dodgy dictator in his place. And instead of just doing it themselves, uh, Vernon Wells tries to get Arnie to do it by kidnapping his daughter. And then take takes his daughter to South America, so Arnie's got eleven hours to get his daughter back before they kill her. That's the main premise. So he 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 escapes and he goes uh, he goes after his daughter and he he sets his watch to eleven hours and he presses on it and goes kajing 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 yeah as the t- yeah. as the seconds tick and. Um, Basically, it makes that really loud noise only when he looks at it, which I've always found hilarious. Just he looks at it, it goes, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Um, there's a bit where he jumps out of a, an aeroplane and he lands in this swamp and he it cuts to a long shot of him falling. And he, he's clearly a, a dummy falling out of an aeroplane and he falls for about 100 miles. And he lands, and he just keeps he keeps running. He doesn't even break stride. 
there's some wonderful moments in it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of, of some. My, my, my most recent idea for a show uh, at Edinburgh was was going to be, um, I was going to do a one-man version of Commando. <laughs> Lawrence took Ghost Commando. Exactly. I was going to. Oh, play, good lord! I was going to play all the roles, and I, I'm still. I still haven't lost hope of doing that. I've still. I've still got on my on my Amazon account saved for later list. I've still got a uh, a, a white sleeveless T-shirt, <laughs> uh, which he wears throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 there's a, a an amazing scene of dialogue um, early on in the film before uh, the bad guys catch up with him. So he's just living happily with his daughter in this mountain lodge. And um, his daughter makes lunch and um, she makes lunch and she, she, it's a sandwich. She puts a sandwich down for Arnie and Arnie takes a big old bite of it. And he, he like, Oh, and he looks up at the door and goes, Oh, what's, what's in this? And she goes, you don't want to know. <laughs> so, well, if you knew it was rubbish, why did you make the sandwich? <laughs> you know, you say you don't want to know when uh, you had no choice to, of what you had to put in the sandwich. Yeah, if they were like in a deserted desert island and she had to just put whatever she could into this sandwich... And he went, oh, what's in this? Oh, you don't want to know. That would make sense. But not when you've got, like, everything in the kitchen. Just make a decent sandwich. <laughs> and then Arnie came, comes up. He's reading this magazine. And he says, um, he says, oh, this, um, this uh, boy George, um, why doesn't he just call himself Girl George? And you'll get rid of all the confusion, I think. Oh. <laughs> It's been a long time since I've seen Commander. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he says, um, when, rock and roll, when rock and roll came to East Germany, they said it was subversive. Maybe they were right. <laughs> Apologies if you said this, Lawrence, but I, I've, I, again, I've gone to IMDb as, as I want to do on today. Uh, what's the name of Arnie's character? John Matrix. John Matrix. <laughs> A, what a, a classic, name. <laughs> a classic name for anyone with a really strong Austrian accent. Um, who appears to be in the American army for some reason. <laughs> I've just gone, I'm reading through the IMDb page, looking at who was in it. And the user reviews are brilliant. Uh, at the top user review is given the film 10 out of 10. It, say, it, it states... This movie was touched by God. Did it ever happen in your life that you've seen such a beautiful movie, such a perfect piece of art, such an unbelievable example of man-made splendor, such a gorgeous masterpiece that it hurt your eyes? Well, I did. And it wasn't the Schindler's List or the Lord of the Rings. No, it was the best action movie ever made. The best interpretation of the Governator. The best explosions. The best one-liners. The best plot. And the best tagline. This movie is like the art of Japanese gardening. Simple and beautiful. Balanced. Proportioned. There's just the right amount of everything. And there is just about everything that should go into an action movie. Car chases. Explosions. Drug lords. Sex. An invincible hero. Sitting duck-like enemies. Humour. 
Knife duels, fist fights, rocket launchers, blood, death, bullets, glass, pectorals, muscles, some more muscles, explosions, and more explosions. You need more. It's got Arnold. Need more? It's got Arnold with a sense of humour. Still more? It's got Arnold with a sense of humour and a rocket launcher. Put these three elements together and try to guess what happens. Destruction. On a mass scale. I won't give away the plot because it's too intricate and surprising. Because it's... <laughs> Basically, it is Arnie on a mission to save his daughter. That's about it. But what is important is not the fact that Arnie will save his daughter, but how he will save his daughter. Oh, are you saying that The Matrix is the best action movie of all time? Does The Matrix have Arnold Schwarzenegger? No. Does Commando have The Matrix? Yes, John Matrix. In fact, oh, so you're saying that Neo dodges bullets. John Matrix doesn't need to. He is bulletproof. He eats bullets for breakfast. Need more proof? I thought so. I gave the Carvaggio painted on celluloid a 10 only because IMDb doesn't go to 11. This movie is so eye-blindingly beautiful, I can't find the words to properly end my commentary and render justice to this cinematic masterpiece. So I will just use the movie's tagline. Somewhere, somehow, someone's going to pay. Now that's wow. a review. <laughs> that, that was that was amazing. Um, so more justice to the movie than we ever could. I mean, of course, to, to, to the correct the correct quote is, "I eat green berets for breakfast," um, but I assume he's just paraphrasing. <laughs> um, I take him for uh, at his word that he believes everything he said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's. Everything he said was true. I mean, the the explosions are amazing, particularly the one where um, he blows up the uh, enemy army camp and you can see the cardboard cutouts of the army people waving, wobbling. Um, nice. That's particularly good. And oh, there's some great Arnie lines. He kills the guy that's escorting him on the aeroplane. And then the um, the air hostess comes over and says, is he all right? And Arnie goes, he's dead tired. <laughs> oh, it's just so... <laughs> Arnie movies are the gifts that keep on giving. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. It, but it, I remember... Was it this film that we did on the all night film? Yes, yes. I should explain that we um, uh, we went on a friend stag do to an all night Arniathon at the Prince Charles Theatre, um, in which we watched uh, was it five Arnie movies? Five or six, yeah. Five or six, and we started at about seven thirty in the evening and came out at eight in the morning. And and. It was amazing in that even at early in the morning, people were still cheering at Arnie Blind. <laughs> what are the I think, I, think Comma- I think Commando was up first. Oh, God. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. It, it got huge rounds of applause that, frankly, I haven't seen since Aven- until Avengers Endgame. Yeah, but, but for very different reasons. Yes, indeed. <laughs> what are the classic what other classics did you get? Uh, Total Recall, Predator. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there was what I there was was it the Russian uh, the Russian one? Raw, Too raw Deal. It was Raw oh, Deal. Raw Deal. Uh. Raw Deal. And then Terminators One and Two. Yeah. Uh, okay. Which were, was a bit disappointing because they're actually quite good. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, <laughs> there's nothing worse than a good Arnie film. Yeah. He's ruining the whole movie by being bad in a good movie. I love The Running Man. Very fond of that. Running Man's amazing. Uh, yeah. Total Recall is amazing. Yes. Predator is actually... Brilliant. Um, you forget how good it is as a film. Yeah, it's great. Possibly Arnie's best best ever film. Mm. Anytime. <laughs> exactly. But it's, um, you know, we're, we, we were talking afterwards about whether or not we'd have cut films out and, and, we, and we said we would dispense with Terminator and uh, Raw Deal and put in um, Running Man. Well, I know it was all for Jingle All The Way, but, you know, that was voted down. Right. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, if, if, if Hercules in New York had popped up on that, I'd have, <laughs> I'd have crapped myself. <laughs> but it's worth an honourable mention. Indeed it is. Uh, it's, been, it's been too long since I've seen Commando. I must watch that again at some point. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, it's been too long since I've sat down and watched an Arnie film, quite frankly. I need to sit down and give them a watch. Every so often you need to just tune in. I, I like Conan the Barbarian as well. It's quite quite slow. Quite it is dull, slow, it? but I quite enjoy what 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 happens in it. It's uh, it's over the top, and I do like that. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where um, James Earl Jones turns yeah. into a massive snake? Yes, I thought so. Just checking. <laughs> yeah, it's that level of weirdness. <laughs> Every film needs James Earl Jones turning into a massive snake, doesn't it? Every film needs James Earl Jones. Just just top there. He's brilliant. <laughs> Incidentally, I've been while on lockdown. I've been going through the first series of Stargate SG One, oh, and yeah. in one in one scene, uh, well, in the opening credits, it says special voice appearance by James Earl Jones, and you think, oh wow, who was this going to be? He's got one bloody line. <laughs> Is it a good one? Uh, well, it's good, but it's, it, it's no turning into a snake. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Is it something about being a father? No way! They didn't. He didn't say anything about being a father. He didn't say anything about accepting apologies, which I thought was outrageous. Humor. <laughs> it's like you've got you've got James Earl Jones. You you bloody use him. Yes. It should be a law. Uh, have you seen his <laughs> Big Bang Theory episode? Yes. He's completely crazy in that. <laughs> it's brilliant. I just like the fact he mocks Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Which is um. A bit unfortunate seeing how she died a few years later. But I don't think he killed her. No, no, no. no. She's in it. She know she knew what was coming. Yeah, she's a ball. And I hope at some point, gentlemen, once we've all seen it, I'm 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 hoping we'll do it a review of Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> yeah. Because that's a that's a travesty of modern cinema. I haven't seen it yet. No. Right. Uh, Something to come back to. Mm, I will watch it. I, I watched Genesis. And I quite mm. liked it. <laughs> in, oh, a, in a weird oh, way. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. In fact, that's my movie. No. Um, <laughs> uh, am I okay to? Yeah. To go on. I don't go know ahead. if either of you have seen this. I'm fairly sure. Well, I know Lawrence hasn't because he's told me. But Keith, have you seen The Room? Two thousand. I haven't. No. You. You, you have the floor. Do you know anything about The Room? I think I've heard of it, but you're going to have to fill me in with what actually the film is like. The film is like, the film is awful. It is totally awful. But that's what's so wonderful about it. 
it, isn't this the one that um it was recently made into a sort of parody film there was a, film a parody about, in itself a film about it ah. being made yes which was the disaster artist uh, with james franco james and dave franco were in it yes sorry i am going to mention the disaster artist i would have needed that so yes the the room uh we the film that came out recently is the disaster artist which is based on the creation of the film the room the room is held up by many people as the worst movie ever made and celebrated for that fact it there are showings of the room where people go and they fill cinemas and they invite the director along to come along to these things and they cheer and they whoop and it's like it's uh the rocky horror picture show it's that level it's gone on it it's gone on to uh make its money and to be like loved by millions of people i first heard of the film uh from listening to uh mark kermo talking about uh the disaster artist he, he mentioned the room and he, he talked about oh, I, I quite like it so it's really bad and quite like it so i went out my way to watch it and it's every bit as bad as described by the that mark kermode mark kermode made out and yet it's so good because it's just so bad. The film is written, directed. Uh, I'm just going to get this right. Give him his, give him his full credit. It is uh, <laughs> directed by Tommy Wiseau, starring Tommy Wiseau, produced he's, he, by he executive producer and producer Tommy Wiseau, and it stars him and his mate Greg. Um, and basically. Tommy Wiseau, if you've never seen him, is one of the strangest human beings the world has ever known. I say human beings with a question mark. There is a chance aliens dropped him off and will one day come and collect him, if they haven't just uh, banished him. He is a strange man. Some people have described him as being like a vampire, and I can understand why. He's either an alien or a vampire. Basically, as the disaster artist will tell you, Tommy Wiseau wanted to be an actor, but he has the strangest voice in the world. It's sort of Eastern European sounding, although he will claim that he's from New Orleans. He clearly isn't from New Orleans. I have no idea where he is from, but he's clearly not. And basically, he wanted to be an actor, but he is to acting, um, I think, of a, a fair reference. He's he's to acting what Jedwood is to singing. Exactly. Um, <laughs> he's not he he's not good. Yeah. It, uh, and basically he but he believes he was good and he had a dream and he wanted to achieve it. And to his absolute credit, he made a movie. He funded it with money that nobody knows where it came from. Nobody knows how old Tommy Rizzo is. That's the one of the other funny things about the guy. The guy is is just a weird sort of enigma but the film itself is about a character called johnny who lives with a girl his fiance lisa and it's all about the people who live in their apartment block and the people who visit it as to why it's called the room going back to what i said earlier i'm not entirely sure it's certainly set 
mostly within one room, but it's also set in many other rooms. There's no obvious reason as to why it's called The Room. But it's about Tommy, uh, sorry, about Johnny and Lisa's relationship, which, on the face of it, when you first see them, all lovey-dovey. You think, okay, fair enough. They're a bit weird. In fact, they're very weird. And uh, you think, okay, they're going to get married, so where's this going? And then the moment that Lisa is left on her own, you discover she's not happy with Johnny. She wants, she, she, she finds him boring. She wants to move on. She wants to have a life for herself. So she decides immediately that the best way to do that is to sleep with Johnny's best friend, uh, who also lives in the apartment building, Mark. And it's the film is all about her cheating on Johnny and not telling Johnny, stringing Johnny along, and all the various friends of the, of the two of them finding out or talking to her about it. And then Johnny showing up and being weird in between. And when I say, like, people, all the people they know, I'm including uh, an apparently 18-year-old man who looks like a 15-year-old boy, who is apparently the treated like a son by Johnny, who comes around and has a disturbing interest in Johnny and Lisa's relationship to the point where he wants to watch them have sex and tells her that she's beautiful with Johnny in the room and Johnny thinks this is funny they um they have friends who come round to their apartment when they are out and use it as a sex den there and and then laugh about it and it's all everybody knows what they're doing so for some reason they allow this to happen you have Lisa's mother who is always arriving and always has to leave him almost immediately but is just an appalling human being when you see her she's just there's just something really annoying about her and then you've got it's just there's so many other characters but the the basic the film itself has such a loose plot that makes no sense the dialogue is awful there is at one point bit where Johnny is sitting outside on the roof of the building where they are quite often talking with Mark uh, and Mark is telling a story that, about women. Now, the, one of the, the running themes throughout the film is that women are crazy and that um, men don't understand them and like not really understanding how women work, basically. And Mark tells a story about how this one girl he knew was cheating on her boyfriend. The boyfriend found out and he he beat her up and put her into a hospital. At which point Johnny, bear in mind this is Tommy Wiseau's character, and he wrote it and is directing it, burst into laughter and goes, you tell the funniest stories, Mark. And you're like, what? <laughs> and it's, it's just full of different things. There is at one point the young lad, the disturbing young lad with the interest in the couple, who... Uh, you discover he owes a drug dealer money and the drug dealer comes calling for it and the drug dealer puts his gun in the to the back of the head of this guy uh, uh, of the kid and he's gonna he's threatening him and he wants his money where's my money where's my money brilliantly played in the disaster artist i won't spoil it but brilliantly done and but in the room he's got his yeah, I want, where's my money and they save him from it that is never mentioned again in the film afterwards it is just completely forgotten about the plot threads come in and are just destroyed and are just just left by the wayside. It has the most low-key announcement that somebody has breast cancer. 
where the mother tells the daughter, oh yeah, I got the results back and I definitely have breast cancer. Oh, right. And then they move on. Not followed up on? Nothing. The film is awful. The dialogue is awful. It's full of stock footage of San Francisco. It's full of just weird acting. But it's hilarious. It's basically, it's like, it's like, and no, this, and I mean this when I say it, a badly acted softcore porn film. Badly acted softcore porn film. They, there are se- there are sex scenes in it with disturbing amount of Tommy Wiseau's arse, but and topless scenes and things like that. But it's just cringeworthy. But it is so watchable as a film because it's so funny. And just to think that this guy thought that that's how people are and how that how the actors all phone in their performances into such a level and the dialogue is just oh it's woeful it has some wonderful moments if you don't watch the film itself go out of your way to watch the honest trailers uh review of the film the honest trailers the room 2003 you'll see what i mean it's hilarious there is a soundboard of all the the lines that people say and some of them are just hilarious i can't i can't do justice to them but by all means just watch the disaster artist if you want to see a good film but if you want to really understand the disaster artist and you really want to appreciate where they're going with this find the room you can't get it on any streaming platforms in the uk anyway at the moment it is on youtube if you look around there are versions of the film on youtube you can get it to buy it from amazon on disc but you can't get a digital version it is phenomenally bad and because it's so phenomenally bad and tommy wiseau is such a weird guy and all the other actors involved are just awful it is a classic movie and i've watched it multiple times and i'm sure i'm going to watch it again fantastic sounds amazing i have to track it down it's it's worth it, it it's worth it despite despite how awful it is at times it's worth it just to see what they made it sounds like um, an unintentional david lynch film well the one of the things from the uh, disaster artist is spoilers for it but it's it's film based on a film so what you're gonna get is that they the film finishes with the premiere that they do a premiere for the film uh for the room and they're all sitting there and tommy Rizzo's character is um he tommy Rizzo, should say is thinking that the film is going to be a critical darling and they're gonna people are gonna love it but everyone else who's been involved in the film can see how bad it is and they they really don't know why they're there but it's like well we pay to put it together we're gonna go we're gonna try and support we're gonna support it and hopefully people will like it and we're just we what we saw isn't the whole thing when it's all together it'll make sense and as they're watching it the audience are going well this is rubbish by the end of it they're in tears of laughter because of how bad it is and they suddenly and and they start to appreciate how bad it is in a comical way and it is it's that realization that we've not meant to do it but you've made a really funny film completely by accident and it's yeah it's well worth watching (laughs) but yeah it is one of the worst films ever made 
I said, I watched it again last night and I watched The Disaster Artist straight afterwards because I'd never seen them before and I loved both films. Very good. Oh. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the film and I didn't really need, didn't know what to say. Keith is yeah. rendered speechless. <laughs> but seriously, the honest trailers, The Room 2003, that will tell you all you need to know. <laughs> it's so good. So bad. It's so good. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> I'm starting to say, I'm starting to worry about myself though that I've that my I've had two opportunities now to recommend films recently and the well films and TV shows and I recommended Tiger King and I recommended The Room. Um, <laughs> my standards are strange. You uh, appreciate or, the mentally ill. <laughs> Tiger King is exceptional TV though. I will stand by what I was saying, uh, but uh, I'm not sure I could stand by and say it's it's certainly not exceptional t- uh, filmmaking. The Room. But it is very entertaining. And I think it's almost funnier to watch it. The first time you watch it, you appreciate how bad it is. You can't you can't watch it without realising how bad it is. But the second time, you're waiting for the bit to come up. Oh, it's the bit where she's going to say this. Oh, it's the bit where that's going to happen. Oh, oh, God, that. And you you know where it's going all the way through it. And, and it's, I can understand why people go to rooms and sit together and watch it and have parties to watch the room. It's uh, it's very entertaining. I'd sit there shouting spoons at the screen. Yeah. Has the has the writer director ever directed another movie, or has he? <laughs> I believe that they are working on one. Tommy Wiseau and his um, the man who plays Mark in the film. I believe they've got something else coming. I'm sure I read something. I'll just have a quick look and see what it's known for. The Room 2003. He's done other films, but I don't know what he's... Filmography, let's see if he's produced or directed anything. Um, oh, he's a director of five films, apparently. I, God, I have to go out of my way and see some of these. Um, I don't... Oh, Big Shark. Looks like the name of one of them. Um, okay, Big Shark, 2019. Three firefighters must save New Orleans from a shark attack. Directed by Tommy Wiseau. That's got 7.9 <laughs> out of 10. you got a guy in a bear suit. <laughs> it's got 7.9 out of 10. <laughs> wow. Might have to might I, find that. I looked up the writer um, when you mentioned the film. Um, well, I, I didn't realise he'd actually appear, appeared in... The, I didn't realise that the, the, the disaster artist was almost like a piss take of the film. It's literally the story of them meeting and filming it uh, and all the process and it's full of comedians and it you can tell they've got a love for it they're mocking it but they've also got a love for it and it, they literally do scene for scene some of the some of the film uh, some of the scenes from the room uh, and in the end credits you literally see the two in parallel <laughs> it's quite good but, well yeah i mean it must be a bit of love in there because the director does non credit uh, of the original film does non credited cameo in the disaster. Oh yeah, artist. Yeah, yeah, he's happy so to be involved. He comes out. He's and does willing it. to go along with it. Yeah, Tommy Wiseau comes out and does interviews with James Franco when they were when he was doing the publicity run for the film. He would bring Tommy Wiseau on to like uh, late night shows in the states. I think he was just glad that there was a film being made about it. It was again more exposure. And I'm and I'm not sure that. <laughs> I'm not sure how much he appreciated that appreciate it as being a bad film as such. I, d- I don't know. He's such a strange character. 
Um, there's so many questions about him. Tommy Rizzo is fascinating. There's a book about it as well, which led to the film, uh, which I am going to go out of my way to read, but I just haven't got around to it yet. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, and, and one day, if I ever go to one of these room parties, I will uh, I will feed back about what it was like. Because if, if, if you survive. Yeah. We can't get it mixed up with a film called Room. No, that's one of the things it always says. Like, in fact, you watch the honest trailer; it says "The Room," not "Room." Very different <laughs> film. <laughs> yes, but "The Room" two thousand and three. Gentlemen, we've we've discussed bad movies that are good. Have we got any? Have you got any recommendations or anything? Maybe you've watched in the last week or so that you think you want to, or we watched or done, or that you'd recommend for anybody who's stuck during lockdown or just generally wants some inspiration for something that they could go and uh, enjoy. I would just say that I I went full body snatchers from our first podcast Mm -hmm. and decided to give Tiger King a try. (laughs) My word, I I can't think of words to describe it. (laughs) How far into it are you? Uh, only the second episode. Um, oh, you're and I know, I, and, and, and I'm reliably, exactly, I'm reliably informed it gets even more bizarre and outlandish going forward. But from what I've seen so far, I mean, I can't believe it myself. <laughs> I had the pleasure of re-watching it with my wife in the last week and a bit. And half of the fun has been watching her reactions to it. Because you can see where she's getting comfortable with it. And I go, yeah. Oh, yeah, so this person, this person. You haven't met half the most important characters yet. What? And then then things happen and you see the look on her face and just go, yeah. Uh, it's great. Yes. It, it, it's, it's bizarre to me that in the 2016 general US general election, Donald Trump wasn't the craziest person <laughs> campaigning for the for, for the Oval Office. No, it is a bit scary in that sense. Yeah. Lawrence, have you got anything you uh, want to recommend? Well, um, I'll tell you what I watched with, um, with my seven-year-old last night. <laughs> we sat down and watched a film called Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yes. Which, uh, you know, I've heard really good things about. I know Keith is a big fan. Yeah, Keith, Keith loves well, that one. <laughs> to be honest, I've never heard of it before. Um, and so uh, what did Arthur think? Uh, he really enjoyed it. Oh, good. And <laughs> What did you think watching it again? <laughs> I'll have the NSPCC round and I'll put you for child abuse. I enjoyed it, actually. I thought it's, a, it's quite a nice piece of sci-fi. I think uh, Keith's big problem stems from it perhaps not being a Star Wars film. Any good? Because <laughs> um, in, in a way, it, it's it's not. And uh, it is the way they've done the story over the three films is a complete mess. But as a standalone bit of sci-fi, it's pretty decent. Hmm. If you ignore everything that's gone before. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Hmm. Well, 
Uh, so uh, I, I think there's at least two of us would recommend watching that film. <laughs> well, it's the first time I've seen it since the cinema. Mm. And uh, so I, I did enjoy it in, in, on the whole. Good. Excellent. My recommendation is a, a slightly unusual recommendation. I'm going to recommend a video game that I've been playing this week. Um, a VR video game that I've been playing. It's available, I presume, on pretty much every VR system. I played it on the Oculus Quest. Uh, it's also available on PlayStation VR, I know. Um, it's called A Fisherman's Tale. And it was a bizarre but very entertaining experience. And uh, basically, I've, I've not quite finished it yet, but you basically play a fisherman, a fisherman's puppet within a lighthouse. But you're, you start it and you think you are the fisherman, but you're clearly on strings. And it's all about he's got a little model lighthouse in his in his lighthouse that represents everything that's happening within the lighthouse. So you've got the wider outside lighthouse you've got with you in it. Then you've got the model lighthouse, and your anything you do in the model lighthouse affects the world around you, or anything you do around you affects the model lighthouse. And then you discover you're within another lighthouse above you, and it's all about what you're doing things at different levels. So if I move this big thing in the real world, that will make a small thing happen in the little world. Or if I move that thing in the little world, then something will come above my head, which I can interact with. And it's, it's just really well told storytelling. And it just bizarre, and it's really immersive. And I just like as an experience, it's, it was quite a nice bit of escapism this last week. I I'm it. sorry, are we still talking about the room here? Because it sounds like it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I just I, I, I wanted something to get away. You can't obviously get out and about and get away to places at the moment, but virtual reality is really good at, for giving you that sort of experience of well, I can go and immerse myself in somewhere else and the the oculus quest with it being without any wires or anything you've literally just got your two controllers and your headset you can really sort of move around and interact with things and it's just a lovely experience so that's how i was spending my evening the other day it was quite nice apart from that i kept sort of putting my arm out and i'd i'd go to grab something and then accidentally grab my wife's leg i was like sorry 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 because <laughs> i couldn't see her yeah, that, that's what you told her, was it? That's what I told her. <laughs> no, it's, that's it's, his defence in court. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bizarre experience, but I highly recommend it. Um, I've also been checking out a lot of podcasts and things, because what else are you going to do, really, with your time at the moment? On that note, I would like very much like to thank everybody who has already listened to the Critic Guys podcasts and continuing to support us. It's a labour of love, and I'm certainly really enjoying doing it. I hope you both are as well. And I'm certainly intending that we continue doing this. We're looking at possible format changes. We're looking at new potential shows to go with it. We're now on Podcast Republic as another podcast provider. We have a YouTube video, uh, which will be getting new thumbnails, hopefully beginning next week. And if I if we can do it at some point, we will start doing proper video content to go on there. Lots of plans. Really enjoying putting it together. And thank you for all the kind words. It would do us 
a brilliant favor if you could go to iTunes and give us a rating, preferably five stars, please, and uh, put a little review on there. That will really help with getting the podcast out there and noticed. Um, and thank you to the uh, to podcasters from other shows who've also been sort of liking our, my tweets and sharing things out. Uh, the Xbox and Me podcast with MC Fixer. Thank you to him um, and various other people. It's all it's all appreciated. Um, uh, Stephen Sims is another with the Nerdic Gods. Highly recommended. So we are intending to release another podcast in about a week's time. We are probably going to be dropping our podcasts more regularly on a Tuesday. That is the plan. It takes some time to get the editing done. Um, but I hope you're enjoying it. Gentlemen, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can follow me at uh, Lawrence with a U underscore Tuck, T-U-C-K, on Twitter. Good. Thank you. Keith, have you got anywhere? And I, can, and I can be found on the archive of our own under the handle Deathwalker. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so approachable. I, I aim to please. And you can find myself at at Critic Guy Chris. Thank you very much. Stay safe, everybody, and Thanks, we'll guys. speak to you soon. Bye.